What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees. And ladies and gentlemen, it is hashtag mock draft season, SZN for the cool kids. Mock draft season for the 2022 NFL football entry draft, which is taking place in just a few weeks' time. Now, I am obviously very slow off the ball with this. Shout out to my guy, Johnny Burtek in this community. Some people are four and five mock drafts deep at this point. And I think when I mocked uh, last year, was it last year? I think it was last year. When I mocked last year, I my first one was in like mid-March. So we're already, you know, 12 days into April. Definitely slow off the ball here, but it's not about being first. This ain't a NASCAR race. It's about being the best. So that's what we strive to be around these parts. We're not going to waste too much time before we get into this draft. However, what I will say is that if you were around for the mock drafts last year, you understand that mock draft 1.0, which is exactly what this is, comes with something of a gimmick or something of a caveat, and that is no trading. I'm taking the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft as is right now. Now, obviously, there have been trades that have impacted the landscape of the first round. We've taken that into account around these parts in doing this mock draft, but I will not be doing any mock trades within this first round mock draft. Get it, got it good, and since you understood, we are going to dive right in. The 2022 NFL Draft is notable if for no other reason than we really don't have much of an inclination on who the number one overall pick is going to be. Last year was obvious. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the number two pick was even obvious. The draft didn't really start last year until the third overall pick. This year, it is wide open. I genuinely think the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are on the clock here with the first overall pick, I genuinely think there's a path for them to trade this pick. Jags are at the top of the draft once again. I would peg their biggest needs probably being on the outside at tackle as well as on the outside on the defensive line. So really your questions here are between like Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau as an edge rusher. A lot of conversation right now around Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. He's really shooting up people's draft lists or offensive tackle Evan Neal. That's really the debate here, but... There was no debate last year, so it's fun, it's exciting that we really don't know who the top pick is going to be. I have certainly fallen into the habit of overthinking stuff like this, and I'm not going to overthink it this time. I genuinely think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to select Aiden Hutchinson, edge rusher from Michigan, as the first overall pick. Six foot six, 260 pounds. He is a prototypical power rusher, a 4-3 defensive end. I think he's tremendous. He was a four-star recruit out of high school. A lot of people are saying, oh, his arm length, though, or oh, this or oh, that. Oh, he didn't show up for this one big game necessarily. A lot of that is just banter. A lot of that is just talk. I think Aiden Hutchinson is the top prospect in this draft, certainly in the very small conversation of top prospects in this draft. I think he's the guy that goes first overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Aiden Hutchinson, edge rusher from Michigan. The Detroit Lions on the clock here at the second overall pick, so obviously not where they had hoped to be after, you know, making moves to improve their team. I think Motor City Dan Campbell has done a good job with this Lions team. They're just, they're still a few pieces away, and they're definitely going to be able to address one of those here with the second overall pick. I would say their biggest needs... 
Detroit could be looking at a quarterback here. I don't know. They've got a second pick here in the first round. It actually closes the first round. They could go on the edge. They could grab a defensive back, maybe look at wide receiver, maybe look at linebacker. But based on where they're at, and again, holding ourselves to the construct of we're not trading draft picks right now, I think you got to look at probably edge because I don't think there's a quarterback in this class that should be taken with one of those top two, top three, top four picks. So if you're really waiting for a quarterback, you might be waiting for a little bit because this quarterback class just doesn't strike me like last year's. There's not a Trevor Lawrence or even a Zach Wilson prospect in this quarterback class. I think the Lions are going to look at edge rusher as well. So once again, you're looking at that conversation between Kayvon Thibodeau, looking at Trayvon Walker, maybe even Jermaine Johnson if you're really high on him. In my opinion, the Detroit Lions at number two overall are going to draft Kayvon Thibodeau, edge rusher from Oregon. He was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, 6'4", 254. He's a junior with Oregon, and previously he was the number one overall uh, player on the ESPN 100. Certainly when he entered the University of Oregon, he was looked at as that elite prospect. People have soured on him for some reason, but I look at this guy as an absolute monster. I think he's a starting edge defender in the NFL right out of the gate. I think he steps right in, and I think he has drawn some incredible comparisons for his versatility and the way he plays the game. Kayvon Thibodeau, my number two overall pick to the Detroit Lions. Houston Texans are up at number three. This is the first of two picks that they have here in the first round. A lot of conversation around the quarterback position for Houston, obviously, after trading out Deshaun Watson. I think they got a good thing here in old Davis Mills. He showed me a lot last year. I think he should have another opportunity as the starting quarterback with this team. Now, obviously, a lot of people are talking about offensive line here as well. Evan Neal, an elite prospect that obviously is still available. He didn't go in those top two picks. I'm looking at a different direction for the Houston Texans. Houston's secondary is, in a word, garbage. And my dark horse here as one of the top elite prospects in this draft, in this draft class, are the way that I think the Houston Texans are going to go here at number three overall. They're able to address one of those concerns a little bit later on. They still pick in the top 15. I think that gives them the flexibility to go out and get one of the best prospects in this class. At number three overall, I've got the Houston Texans grabbing Kyle Hamilton safety out of Notre Dame. Now, there are certain uh, ranking systems that have Kyle Hamilton as like the singular top prospect Kyle Hamilton is something of a unicorn. He came from a very versatile program there in Notre Dame that was able to move him around in the secondary, engage him in run defense, and really showcase what a defensive weapon Kyle Hamilton is. The Houston Texans are a team that just need players. They need impact players immediately and I think Kyle Hamilton steps in and I think is immediately one of the best defensive players on that entire roster so I'm grabbing Kyle Hamilton here at number three with the Houston Texans it might not be a popular pick in this spot that's the way I'm going for Houston the Jets are up here at number four with two picks in the top 10, and this is a really interesting conversation here as well because I think the Jets have two very clear and obvious things that they are going to address here in the first round. That is the offensive line, and then I think they're also going to look to address their secondary. Now, 
in which order do they do that? Obviously, there's a ton of people talking about Sauce Gardner, a Mod Gardner cornerback from Cincinnati. He came out and tweeted, look, I'm the best prospect in this entire draft. So obviously, that's going to get a lot of eyes on Sauce Gardner. But in this mock draft, you have Evan Neal, who everyone is genuinely looking at as arguably the best offensive lineman in this entire draft. A lot of people say he's the top prospect in this draft. A number of mocks have him going first overall to Jacksonville, and I completely understand that. I think if you're looking for the biggest, most impact that you can possibly have here in the first round, you have to look at those teams who are picking in between your picks at 4 and 10. Those being the Giants twice, Carolina, Atlanta, and Seattle. So if you look at it and say, okay, well, if I take this player, this arguable top prospect player, will the other top prospect player still be available at my 10th pick? These are the two guys that I want. These are the two guys that I think best address my needs. What's my pathway to getting both of them without potentially trading up? Because again, we're not doing that in this draft. If you take Sauce Gardner at number four, Evan Neal will not be there at 10. Iki Iquonu on the offensive line will not be there at 10. Charles Cross probably won't be there at 10. So you're looking at trying to maximize the value. However, if you take Evan Neal in this spot, based on the teams that are picking between your two picks, I don't see a team there that is really desperate for help at corner. Like, I think their corner situations in general are fairly solid, whether that was through their prospect pool or through free agency. So for the New York Jets, I'm going to have them grab Evan Neal here, offensive tackle from Alabama at number four overall. An offensive lineman like Evan Neal is not going to be available at the 10th overall pick. A massive human being, six seven and a half, 335 pounds, a five-star recruit coming out of high school, going to Alabama. Dude is a monster and he moves defenders. He makes a decision where you're going to go and that is exactly where you are going. He is arguably, I think inarguably really, the most impact offensive lineman that is available in this draft. I think he will be dominant at the NFL level. I'm going to grab Evan Neal for the Jets at number four. Number five overall, we've got the first of two picks in the top seven for the New York Giants. They have their own pick, which is this one, and then the seventh overall by virtue of a trade with the Chicago Bears. So the Giants up first at five, the offensive line. It has to be the offensive line here. Offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. They're going to look and see Evan Neal come oh so close to them and just fall short. And I think their other biggest area of concern, which is on the edge of the defensive line, they're going to be able to address still in a couple of picks and still get an elite top end talent. So we're going to address the offensive line here for the Giants, and we're going to have them grab Iki Ikwonu, offensive tackle from NC State. Ikwonu is a 6'4", 310-pound prospect, was only a three-star recruit coming out of high school, but man, he was given an opportunity at NC State, and he absolutely thrived in that opportunity. One of the most dynamic blockers, I would say, in the country. I see him as a starting left tackle in the NFL. 
Ekonu, I think, would be a versatile fit on anybody's offensive line, but with the Giants, where they need a lot of help, he could be their left tackle, he could be their left guard. He played plenty of guard in college, so that's an opportunity for him as well. I think he gets a ton of reps in his rookie season, and I really think he helps that line out a lot. We're going to have the Giants grab Iki Ekonu at fifth overall. The sixth overall pick belongs to the Carolina Panthers, and it is one of the most interesting situations in the first round because obviously the Panthers have an ownership group here that is desperate, desperate, desperate to get the next guy a quarterback. They have not had a guy at quarterback since Cam Newton and they're getting restless and that is exactly what they want to and they're going to look we've already shown they're willing to gamble on Sam Darnold they're willing to gamble on Teddy Bridgewater what feels like multiple times desperate to get that number one franchise quarterback and I think the Panthers are going to be the ones to jump the gun here and grab their quarterback of choice and I do not believe it is the quote-unquote top quarterback in this group. I think the Carolina Panthers are going to grab Kenny Pickett, quarterback from Pittsburgh, with the number six overall pick. Pickett's 6'3", around 215, so he's got a decent-sized body for a quarterback. Only a three-star recruit coming out of high school, and I do have questions about whether it's the perfect scheme fit, but I genuinely think he's the best thrower of the football in this draft class in terms of quarterback. Everybody's going to want to go Malik Willis here, and I totally understand it, but genuinely, I think for the offense that the Carolina Panthers want to be able to run, I don't think they have the offensive line for a guy like Malik Willis to thrive. I think they do have a line for a guy like Kenny Pickett. New York Giants now back on the clock at number seven overall. And as I spoke, their two biggest needs are on the offensive line as well as edge rushing on the defensive line. They addressed the O-line with the number five pick and they're going to be able to do the same thing here at number seven by grabbing Trayvon Walker, edge defender from Georgia. Now again, most people and most drafts, most mock drafts that I'm starting to see lately have Trayvon Walker going extremely high, as high as number one overall. I'm just not quite on that bandwagon yet. Trayvon Walker was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, 6'5", 270, a massive body, an exciting guy on the end of the defensive line. He's versatile. He's tremendously athletic. And I think the Giants have shown with their scheme and ability to move him around the defensive line to really, kind of like a situation with Kyle Hamilton when we talked about with Houston, a situation where you make Trayvon Walker a bigger weapon than he already is by moving him along the defensive line, playing him on the interior some, finding those mismatches to allow Trayvon Walker to get to the quarterback. I think he's going to make a big impact with the Giants this year. I've got him going to the Giants at seven overall. Atlanta Falcons are up now with the eighth overall pick, and this is really a story of two different ways that a team could go. They could go on the offensive side. They need a quarterback. They really need the quarterback of the future, I should say. They need a quarterback, potentially need a wide receiver. They got that whole, you know, Calvin Ridley situation going on. Or you look on the defensive end. They need an edge rusher. They need a safety. They're pretty set at corner, but they need that safety. They need that edge rusher. So it's really a question of which way do you go? Do you jump up now in this mock draft that you saw Malik Willis didn't go to a team that needed a quarterback? Does that make it too tempting for Atlanta to grab Malik Willis at number eight? 
That's not the direction I'm going to go. I'm going to have the Falcons address the defensive line in particular on the edge because I think there's a guy here that has fallen a little bit in this mock draft, could potentially go higher than this, but if he's available for Atlanta, I think they'd be foolish not to grab him. And that is Jermaine Johnson, the second edge rusher from Florida State. Johnson redshirted his senior year at Florida State, four-star recruit coming out of high school, 6'5", 250. He's a big body. He definitely gets to the quarterback. He is very talented, very versatile. I've been saying versatile a lot, very impactful. Let's put it that way. They were really able at Florida State to, once again, take a guy, move him around a little bit, create mismatches, and really accentuate just how good of a talent this guy is. And I think he fits better in the Falcons' defensive scheme, staying at his own position at defensive end, I think he's a very versatile player who can play in virtually any scheme. I think he's got the role fit in Atlanta. I think he's an excellent fit. So Jermaine Johnson II, I've got going to the Falcons at 8 overall. At number nine, we've got the Seattle Seahawks, who obviously made a ton of noise in this offseason by trading the franchise quarterback, Russell Wilson. There's been a ton of conversation about, oh, is DK Metcalf going to be traded? Is Tyler Lockett going to be traded to the Green Bay Packers? Which, by the way, Seattle, yes, please trade us Tyler Lockett and give us a good price for him, too. That would be great. All kinds of conversation around the Seahawks here. Are they heading into a full-blown rebuild? Who knows? Now, what they do need is they need... Actually, quite a bit. Um, this is a team that's in the quarterback conversation for sure. They've obviously had a persistent need at offensive line for years now. It feels like decades. They could use some help on the outside of the defensive line as well. I don't think it's a smart move here for Seattle to grab a quarterback. I'm going to take Seattle out of the quarterback conversation for now. I think they run it for a year with Drew Locke and see what they have. But I think the onus is going to be protect Drew Locke. Maybe give Rashad Penny a few more opportunities in the run game. This offense can still be dangerous. They just need time and space to do so. I think Seattle's going to address that by grabbing Charles Cross, offensive tackle from Mississippi State. Another five-star recruit coming out of high school, 6'5", 305. Charles Cross, a big body in Mississippi State. Uh, he did redshirt his sophomore season. And you go out and you get Charles Cross for one reason and one reason only, uh, to protect Drew Locke from death. Uh, I think Charles Cross is a prototypical pass-defending tackle. I think he should be an ideal starting left tackle in the NFL. I genuinely think that's what he will develop into. He's got some deficiencies in the run game, so he doesn't do a ton for Rashad Penny, but if you make that pass offense a little more dangerous by giving them a little more time, you're going to open up room and you're going to open up avenues for your run game that's the way these things work just like an mma strike to pass pass to strike run to throw throw to run so i think charles cross is a good fit here in seattle i think he addresses their most persistent need let's grab charles cross at nine to the seahawks and wouldn't you know who won the pony? We're back to the New York Jets already. What did I tell you? Teams that don't particularly need help at corner, that's why you grab Evan Neal fourth overall. So the Jets are back up at 10, and they are going to jump all over Sauce Gardner, cornerback from Cincinnati, at number 10 overall. You have a guy here in Sauce Gardner who has a major chip on his shoulder, was really overlooked in the recruiting process coming out of high school. However, he put on 30 pounds on his frame. He was 160 coming out of high school. He's 190 as he plays right now. And he became one of the best corners in college football. So it is a guy that obviously has come from 
uh, a place of humility. So now he's a guy that can come out and say, hey, look, I'm the best prospect in this whole damn draft. And he's earned it because he had to fight from underneath. I think Sauce Gardner is an excellent fit for the New York Jets. And what a draft inside the top 10 there to bring in a potential franchise offensive tackle and a potential franchise player in the secondary. Sauce Gardner goes to the Jets at 10. And if you're not a believer, look, I had one source that I really, really trust and really value and respect, compare him to Dominique Rogers Cromarty. So if he can become Dominique Rogers Cromarty, the Jets did pretty well. Now that we're outside the top 10, folks, we're going to pitch to an ad break here in just a second. But before we do that, I want to take the time to shout out my great friends and sponsors at NerdTease, nerdtease.ca. Use that promo code BWFINEST. That is going to save you 15% at checkout. And you're also going to get free shipping in Canada on any order over 100 bucks, which is some tremendous value. Today's blend is a delicious cup of Canadian breakfast sweetened with maple syrup to just make it that much more red and white patriotic Canadian. But nerdtease.ca features dozens and dozens of incredible loose leaf tea blends and accessories, all kinds of products for you. For those that you love the tea drinker on your list, that tough to buy for person. Hey, look, you might be a little too late for Mother's Day, but there's got to be some birthdays and stuff coming up. You never know what you can find on nerdtease.ca. Use that promo code BWFINEST. Save your money. Get your free shipping. Find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love. You can do it on nerdtease.ca, and we will be back in just a moment. Back at it with the mock draft, and we're coming in at number 11 overall, which belongs to the Washington Football Commanders team. Uh, the Washington Commanders picking at number 11 overall. They have some pretty simple needs. Most of them come on the defensive side of the ball. A great inside linebacker is a big need for them, and they need anybody in their secondary to help them out at defensive back. I don't necessarily think there's a great inside linebacker to be taken here, but there is a really high talent player in the secondary. They're going to watch Sauce Gardner go right in front of them, but you know, Derek Stingley Jr. is going to be a nice consolation prize cornerback out of LSU. Six feet, 190, five-star recruit coming out of high school, again, playing at LSU, was at a time considered the top player in the 2019 recruiting class. There are a number of injury concerns here for Stingley. I think both his 2020 season and his 2021 season were impacted by injuries. I don't necessarily think that is a persistent thing that's going to carry with him to the pro level. It is definitely something to keep an eye on. But man, I, I just think this is a, like a perfect scheme fit for Stingley. I think he slides right into the role that Washington needs him to slide into. I think it's an excellent fit. Derek Stingley at corner goes to Washington at number 11. Number 12, here's the Minnesota Vikings, and they're going to watch their position of need, their biggest position of need, go right in front of them at corner. And rather than reaching for another corner, they're going to look at one of their other needs. They could look at anybody along the defensive line, maybe look at a wide receiver in this spot, although that's probably a secondary need, a lesser need. We're going to have them grab some help here on the defensive line, and they're going to grab George Karlaftis, edge rusher, out of Purdue. Interestingly enough, originally I did did have Karlaftis going to Atlanta at number eight and Jermaine Johnson going to Minnesota at 12. But I ultimately settled on Johnson being a better fit in Atlanta's scheme and where they were picking first had Johnson go there. Karlaftis, if you want to consider him a consolation prize here, I do think he fits better with the defensive scheme that the Vikings are running. 
Karlaftis, 6'4", 275, four-star recruit coming out of high school. And it's a very simple story here. Power, power, power. Multiple sources have been talking about him being like the best pure power rusher possibly in this entire class. So this is a guy that's going to shed blocks. He's going to knock blockers back and he is going to get to the quarterback. I see Karlaftis as an every down guy on the end. I think he fits multiple schemes. He can be aggressive in the blitz. I think this is a really good pickup for the Vikings. So we got Karlaftis from Purdue. George Karlaftis going to Minnesota at number 12. Lucky number 13 in the draft here belongs to the Houston Texans by virtue of the trade with the Cleveland Browns to send Deshaun Watson to Cleveland. So Houston picking for the second time in the top 15 picks. So if you'll remember, we had them go with Kyle Hamilton at safety in number three rather than grabbing Evan Neal at offensive tackle. And the very specific reason that we did that was to take Trevor Penning at number 13 overall. Trevor Penning offensive tackle from Northern Iowa. Massive human being, six foot seven, 325 pounds plus. He is a redshirt senior from Northern Iowa. Just again, a massive, massive left tackle, good athlete, he's explosive. He's had some moments in this past season where I think he kind of got beat mostly to the inside, but I genuinely think Trevor Penning, one of the better, one of the best tackles in this class. And I think Houston is going to make out better by taking Hamilton at safety to then target Trevor Penning than if they would have taken Evan Neal at number three. And then with a real need at safety, I'm not sure who that pick would have wound up being. Like, are we looking at... Are we looking at Petra? Like, there are a number of safeties who are really... Like, you got to look at them like second-round talents. Maybe Dax Hill. But I don't think that Houston makes out better by taking the offensive tackle first. So we had him take Kyle Hamilton to then turn around and take Trevor Penning. I think they're further ahead because of it. Number 14, we got the Baltimore Ravens. Most of their needs coming on the defensive side of the ball. They might look at an interior O-lineman here, but genuinely, I think they're going to probably grab somebody on that defensive line. They could go with an edge rusher. They could go with an inside uh, defensive lineman, a D-tackle. They just saw, you know, a decent edge rusher go a couple of picks before them. They could reach for one of the next rushers, but I think the inside of the defensive line is where we're we're going to focus here for the Ravens at number 14. I've got them going with Jordan Davis, interior defensive lineman from Georgia. Jordan Davis, 6'6", 341, a run stuffer, an ideal starting interior defensive lineman in the NFL. I think he's most effective in a 4-3, but I think he's versatile enough to survive no matter what the scheme is in front of him. Just get that big dominant run stuffer right there in the middle of the defensive line. I think that's exactly what the Ravens need. I think that's the direction they go in. Jordan Davis, number 14 to Baltimore. Also, part of the reason why I like that fit is I think Baltimore's defense is versatile enough to not expose him on the obvious passing downs because I think that's really where his game has to come along. That's in part because of his size. I think there's a conditioning question there, but in terms of stuffing the run, Jordan Davis might be the most elite run stuffer in the entire class. The Philadelphia Eagles are up now at pick number 15 with their first of two picks in the next so the Eagles are definitely going to be able to refill the coffers. This is by virtue of a trade with the Miami Dolphins. This was originally Miami's pick. 
the Eagles have a number of areas where they really need to look to improve. Uh, the edge of the defensive line, they could try to improve in the secondary at either corner or safety. They could look at the wide receiver position, inside linebacker, maybe the interior of the offensive line. Philly's got a number of areas that they really need to address here. So really, for the Eagles, this could genuinely just wind up being best player available. And despite all the conversation going on with the rest of the players at this particular position group in this draft class, I have the Philadelphia Eagles at number 15, taking the guy who I genuinely believe is the best wide receiver in this class. And at number 15 overall, Philly takes Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from Ohio State. The MO with Garrett Wilson is very simple. He's a five-star recruit coming out of high school. He's only six feet tall, only 183 pounds. So he definitely, I think, has some size to add on to him. But just, just get the ball in his hands. Just I, it, behind the line of scrimmage, couple yards ahead, just get the ball in his hands and let him make magic happen. He made a career of doing that at Ohio State. Every game he's out there, just get the ball in his hands and watch him make magic after the catch. That is exactly the kind of wide receiver that I envision in this Philadelphia Eagles offense. Quick hit wide receiver, not necessarily somebody that's always going to stretch the field, but has that ability, but just get the ball in his hands. That's the kind of guy that I like like for the Eagles, let's have him grab Garrett Wilson at number 15. Also, if you're looking for a comp on Garrett Wilson, I saw this one and I absolutely love it. Deontay Johnson. Speaking of a team that has two picks in the next four, we go to number 16 overall with the New Orleans Saints. Now, the Saints got this pick by virtue of uh, Indianapolis, I believe, trading the pick to Philly and then Philly trading it to New Orleans, I believe was the line here. But this pick has been owned at some point by three different teams. The Saints, I think, have three big pressing needs. They need a quarterback, a long-term quarterback. They need a long-term left tackle. And they need a long-term wide receiver. They can address probably two of those potentially with this pick. You could go in a couple of different directions. The left tackle, I think that's a tougher one. I think that's one that maybe you got to wait until the second round, maybe even into the third. So we're going to put left tackle aside for the Saints right now. Quarterback and wide receiver. Obviously, there's a ton of wide receivers in this class. They would have just watched Garrett Wilson go in front of them. But I think given that they've got another pick in just a couple of spots, I think they go for the quarterback here. And I think the Saints are going to grab Malik Willis, quarterback out of Liberty. It is a time of change in New Orleans. Coaching change, player change, roster change, personnel change. And I'm just sitting here thinking about the possibility of Malik Willis playing with Alvin Kamara. Now, I understand that Kamara's got an arrest situation that he has to deal with. But, like, down the line, the variety of things that two dynamic players like that would be able to achieve together is just, it's to me, it's monumental for the Saints. So, I'm going to grab Malik Willis here. Yes, he's had a real mixed bag of results over the last couple of seasons with Liberty. There's a lot of things that go into that. I think Malik Willis is arguably the most talented quarterback in this class. I I hope you understand why I didn't take him with Carolina. I hope you understand why I think Kenny Pickett there was a better fit. But for New Orleans, I really love the fit here for Malik Willis. 
It's taken a bit of a gamble. He's a developmental guy. He's not going to be their starter out of the gate, but they don't need him to be the starter out of the gate. Malik Willis can learn at the NFL level and become that dangerous NFL starting quarterback. I'm going to grab Malik Willis at 16 to the New Orleans Saints. We've officially crossed the halfway point of this draft as we move to pick number 17, which belongs to the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, the Chargers are really going to be looking here on the offensive line as that has been an area of need and an area that they have addressed in drafts past. But one of the big things when I look at this Chargers team that secondary needs to get better. I realize that their defense statistically in a lot of areas was among one of the better ones in the league, but depth is what's going to win, especially now in that division where all of a sudden that division is just stacked with quarterbacks. So the secondary is the biggest area of need here on the defense. I think the Chargers are going to address that by taking Andrew Booth, cornerback from Clemson. Booth, six feet tall, 194 pounds, five-star recruit coming out of high school. He was a junior with Clemson this past season. I love the prospects of Andrew Booth developing into that guy, like Andrew Booth Island. Like, I like him to develop into that starting outside corner in just man-to-man coverage, like just you against me and I'm better than you. I think that's the kind of game that Andrew Booth plays with. I think that's the mentality that Andrew Booth has. And it's the kind of weapon on the defensive side that the Chargers are going to need against the quarterbacks that now all of a sudden fill that division. So let's grab Andrew Booth from Clemson at 17 overall to the Chargers. The Eagles are back up here at number 18 after picking uh, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, at 15th overall. Now I'm going to have them address the defensive side. They're going to get an impact weapon there on the offense. Let's have them grab an impact weapon on the defense. They just watched Andrew Booth go in front of them. The next best corners, you can kind of look at them as fringe first round guys. I think they grab the last corner, in my rankings anyway, that I would consider to be a slam dunk first round pick and that is Trent McDuffie, cornerback from Washington. McDuffie's a little undersized here. He's under six feet tall. He is 193 pounds. He was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. I like McDuffie's versatility to play either on the outside or the inside in terms of his position. I think he's a little more set to playing in zone where he can have a little bit of help potentially over the top, but he's a competitor, very, very good defensive back. I think the Eagles would be lucky to grab him here. Again, he's the last consensus first round defensive back that I have on my board. So I think the fact that they can grab him here at 18... I think they've had themselves an excellent first round. Trent McDuffie to the Eagles at the 18th overall pick. And we're going to go right away to New Orleans, who we talked about before. The Saints taking Malik Willis at quarterback at number 16. They're now up again at number 19. And if you're going to invest in your quarterback, well, why not go out and grab him a weapon? Like I mentioned, I don't think they're going to get that prototypical left tackle player here in the first round it might be a trade down or even a trade up earlier in the draft opportunity for them but they're not going to get him here at 19 so let's grab him a weapon and we're going to grab him a weapon that a lot of people are saying is the top wide receiver in this class that's Jamison Williams wide receiver out of Alabama Jamison Williams is pushing six foot two about 180 pounds so he's got decent size 
He runs great routes. He is very, very quick. And that's, again, if you're going to go with a guy like Malik Willis to develop as your eventual starting quarterback, grab him a big weapon in the same draft that he can develop alongside with. And who knows? Maybe this is your next you know, your next great quarterback to wide receiver connection. You draft him at the same time, you let him develop together. He's got really good acceleration. And again, just a tremendous, probably the best route runner, I would say, in this draft. I've seen favorable comparisons for Jamison Williams to a guy like Jerry Judy in Denver. Jerry Judy is still a developmental player, but this year I think he's going to take a massive step forward with the quarterback that he's got. But he's going to be able to develop into a big weapon for the Saints. I've got him going number 19 to New Orleans. That takes us to the 20th overall pick, which is the natural pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have a ton of needs to try and address in this draft. Anybody in at defensive back, anybody on the defensive line, anybody on the offensive line, and they have a persistent need to grab that quarterback of the future. Now, in much the same way that the Atlanta Falcons brought in a quarterback, and so I don't have them going quarterback, the Houston Texans kind of have a guy at quarterback, so I didn't have them go quarterback. The way Seattle brought in Drew Locke, I didn't have them go quarterback in this draft. I'm taking the same approach here with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to let some of those quarterback prospects potentially fall into the second round rather than spend the first round pick on them. This is a different philosophy than I had last year, but it's the way I'm going to have the Steelers go here because they just have so many other needs so far across the board. And I think the best player for Pittsburgh is going to be building from their line out. So we are actually going to go on the offensive line and the interior, and I'm going to have them grab Tyler Linderbaum, interior offensive lineman from Iowa. Linderbaum, 6'3", 292, and if you're wondering who this guy has the potential to develop into, he's your franchise center. He is the cornerstone of your offensive line. He is the guy that you build everything else on that line around. He is the guy that's going to open up those pathways for Najee Harris to do all that damage in the run game. He is the guy that is going to anchor that offensive line for the next 10 to 12 years for your franchise. And no matter what else you try to do, whether you try to go grab your quarterback, you try to bring in other offensive weapons, none of it is going to matter if you can't protect your quarterback. If you can't run your offense, none of that other stuff matters. Tyler Linderbaum is going to be that guy for the Pittsburgh Steelers to fundamentally change their offensive line and actually make them a dangerous offense yet again, no matter who is playing quarterback behind him. Tyler Linderbaum, this is one of my favorite picks in this draft. Linderbaum as the franchise center of the future for the Pittsburgh Steelers at number 20 overall. There's our top 20 picks, folks. 12 picks remaining here in this mock. We are going to take another opportunity to take a little ad break here. But before we do that, I'm going to let you know my other great sponsor, great friend of this channel, and that is the Dynasty Trade Calculator. Look, we're talking about NFL prospects here, offensive and defensive. This is dynasty fantasy football in a nutshell. You are looking at who the next guys are going to be and one of the absolute best resources online for dynasty fantasy football content is the dynasty trade calculator. 
trade evaluations, player rankings, podcasts, a ton of draft content is available for you on the Dynasty Trade Calculator. My affiliate link is down below in the description. You're going to want to click on that. And for as little as $3, you can gain access to one of the absolute best resources out there for long-term Dynasty fantasy football. does not matter how your league is configured. The Dynasty Trade Calculator has got you covered. So click my affiliate link, get access to the Dynasty Trade Calculator, and get out there and win you some championships. We're moving to the New England Patriots now at pick number 21, and I think they find themselves in a spot that they have not been in often, which is they actually do have like a number of pressing needs heading into this season. They really need a corner. They really need help on the the outside of the offensive line. They could use a safety. They need a linebacker. There are very specific areas of need for this Patriots team, especially as they watch that division get better around them. I think the best use of this pick, if they're not going to move it, which is entirely possible for the Patriots and Bill Belichick, if they're not going to move it, which they can't in this draft because that's the gimmick, I think they're going to go ahead and grab the best player available among those needs. And for me, that is Devin Lloyd. He's linebacker out of Utah, six foot three, 237 pounds. He is going to better align, I think, as an outside linebacker in the NFL, probably in a 4-3 defense, but I think he's probably okay to fit no matter what the scheme happens to be. I think Lloyd is arguably a three-down linebacker in the NFL out of the gate. I think he's going to get plenty of starting rep opportunities with the Patriots. Hopefully they got some special team stuff in there for him too. And again, that team is so dynamic with the way they use personnel. I would have no uh, worries, no qualms about that. He's a downhill runner. This guy is going to be able to make some plays in that middle of the Patriots defense. I really like Devin Lloyd here. I like the fit with New England. Let's have the Patriots grab Devin Lloyd at number 21. Now, number 22, we have the first of two picks in the latter part of this draft for the Green Bay Packers. Now, this is the pick that they acquired from the Raiders in the Devontae Adams trade. So Packers pick at 22, they pick again at 28. Now, as a few resources have described it, Green Bay's biggest area of need is uh, wide receiver, wide receiver, and wide receiver. So obviously, that is the direction that we are going to go here with, at the very least, this pick and maybe even the next pick you'll have to stay tuned to find out they could go with a defensive lineman anybody on the defensive line would be interesting they do have a need at tackle but I don't really think they can address that at this spot so this obviously is a wide receiver spot for them and I'm going to have the Packers grab Chris Olave wide receiver from Ohio State when I think of Devontae Adams, when I think of the player that the Packers just lost, I think of one of the absolute best route runners in the NFL. I genuinely think Devontae Adams is still the best wide receiver in football, but he's one of the absolute best route runners in the NFL. And Chris Olave is that guy. He is that guy to be a featured receiver in a vertical offense, running routes, running precise routes. I think he's one of the best route runners in college football. He is Ohio State's all-time leader in receiving touchdowns. This guy is going to be able to come in to a Green Bay Packers program where, look, he's still got Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball, one of the most hyper-accurate quarterbacks in football. He is going to put the ball in places to allow Chris Olave to shine. I've got Chris Olave going to the Packers at number 22 overall, and I'm very pleased about that. 
It certainly helps that I did see a few scouts actually favorably compare him to Devonta Smith, and who wouldn't like to have Devonta Smith on their roster right now? At number 23, we've got the Arizona Cardinals, and the Cardinals are another team that I think have very specific needs that they're going to be looking to address, specifically here in the first round. They definitely need help at corner, they need help along the defensive line, and they could even stand to grab a wide receiver in this spot if they wanted to do that to fill the void left by Christian Kirk. Now, I would look at wide receiver as, I guess, probably a secondary need for them. I think they're going to go on the defensive side with this pick. Now, this is interesting because it is the first pick of a player who I don't think would be considered a consensus first rounder. It would not shock me to see this player slide into the second round, but I think the fit here for Arizona, considering how the draft has gone ahead of us, I think the fit here is worth it. I've got the Arizona Cardinals grabbing Kair Elam, cornerback from Florida. So he's 6'1", pushing 6'2", about 190 pounds, was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. There are definitely areas in his game that need to be improved upon at the next level, but I think this can be a spot where he can come in, get some good reps, maybe get some special teams reps, just learn the speed of the NFL game. Hope early in his career, I genuinely think he becomes a starting outside corner in this league. So if Arizona can develop him into that in, say, his second season, perhaps, maybe even his third I think he can be an impact guy at the next level. So we got Kair Elam, corner from Florida, going to Arizona at number 23. The Dallas Cowboys up next at number 24. A number of areas of concern for them. They could grab anybody on the offensive line here, interior or exterior. I know they did just lose Lael Collins, I believe. Uh, they could use an edge rusher. They could use a safety. They could go wide receiver in this spot. I think their best bet, and with the best available players left on the board, I think it's going to be tough for them to look away from some of those wide receivers. And you got a guy here that has slipped a little bit down the draft board. I know a number of people who are a little bit higher on this receiver than I am, but we're going to have them go wide receiver, and we're going to have them grab Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. London is six foot four, about 220 pounds, a big body wide receiver. And you think about it, the Cowboys just lost or got rid of, I guess, um, Amari Cooper. So this is a guy who can be that starting outside wide receiver in a vertical pass offense, can play the exact role that Amari Cooper was playing. You got Steed Lamb still on that roster. You got Michael Gallup still on that roster. He's insulated very well. Drake London can do some damage right out of the gate here in the NFL. It's an excellent spot for him as far as I'm concerned. Let's take Drake London at number 24 with the Dallas Cowboys. Just continue to load up on those weapons. The 25th pick belongs to the Buffalo Bills, and I think this is probably going to be one of the more contentious picks here uh, in this first round mock because almost everybody has the Buffalo Bills going corner. And the problem with this for me is we've been kind of corner heavy in the earlier part of the draft. So those top guys, those top corner prospects are already off our board. So that's going to be a tough spot here. And again, this is a bit of a gimmick because we don't, we're not allowing for teams to trade and move around. So now the question is, do you have Buffalo reach for that need or do you take arguably best player available for another need that they have because their need is not just a corner. They can use help on the interior of the defensive line. 
I would say they probably need a true right tackle. They might even look wide receiver in this spot because there's definitely a couple of those higher end wide receivers still available. At number 25, I've got the Bills addressing that need at D-tackle, the interior of the D-line, and grabbing Devontae Wyatt, interior defensive lineman from Georgia. Now he's 6'3", 305 in that area, was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, and this is positional versatility. You can move him anywhere on the defensive line and he will find success. I think he's a three-down lineman in the NFL, and I think he makes their pass rush, their run defense, I think he makes the entirety of that front seven better and more versatile and just more dangerous. And the Buffalo Bills are so close. They've got such a roster, arguably the best roster in the AFC. They're so close. You get a weapon like this on defense. He is disruptive. He's going to rush from the interior. He's going to find those opportunities to cause pressure and get to the quarterback. I think Devontae Wyatt is a great fit here for the Bills. I think they can address their corner need in the second round and beyond. Let's grab Devontae Wyatt from Georgia at number 25 for the Bills. We got the Tennessee Titans up now at number 26, and there are a couple of different directions that the Titans can go here. I think they need a pure right tackle that at this spot, I don't think they're going to be able to get. I think they'll probably have to trade back and look for that or else it's, you know, or else it's just reaching. You could always reach for a guy, but I think that's not making the best of the asset that you have here in the 26th pick. Wide receiver would be a very popular pick here for the Titans. Uh, they do have a need at tight end, but I don't think there's a guy that you would really be happy taking in the first round instead of letting potentially slip to the second or beyond. I'm actually going to have them grab kind of a secondary need here, but only because I think he's the best player that's still available on my board. And while it is a secondary need, it is still a need. I'm going to have the Titans grab N'Kobe Dean, linebacker from the University of Georgia. N'Kobe Dean, round six feet tall, 226 pounds, so he packs a lot onto that six-foot frame. Five-star recruit coming out of high school, also the winner of the 2021 Butkus Award for Best Linebacker in College Football. Very good athlete, reactive, he's good in the pass game, he needs to improve there a little bit, he can blitz, the run defense, I think he's right there, he may arguably be the most complete three down linebacker in the NFL. I didn't, or in this draft class, I should say, I didn't have the Patriots grab him because I thought Devin Lloyd was a better fit. But I think if N'Kobe Dean goes to Tennessee, he's going to do all kinds of great things on that defense, probably as an outside linebacker initially. Now, there is definitely a caveat here with N'Kobe Dean. I think he's best suited for a team that plays an even front. And Tennessee does not do that. They have they play a base 3-4. So there will be a learning curve there. I think he's capable of doing it. But I, there is definitely a scheme fit that, uh, you know, I think you got to worry about there potentially. Let's go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now with pick number 27 in the first round. A couple of different ways the Bucs could go here. I think the most help that they need is probably on the interior of the offensive line, but they could look on the edge. They could look at anybody in the secondary would be a decent fit as well. You might want to see him snag a wide receiver, but... I think that's probably a secondary, maybe even a tertiary need. So they probably don't grab that here in the first round. 
The best player available to me that I think fits their needs is Kenyon Green, an interior offensive lineman from Texas A&M. That's the way I'm going to have them go with pick number 27. In a lot of people's eyes, Kenyon Green is like a top 15 prospect. So the rich only get richer here if he falls to Tampa Bay at 27. Five-star recruit out of high school, 6'4", 323, so obviously a very big body. He immediately walked in as a starter for Texas A&M. He's a very quick pass protector. He's versatile again. We keep using that word. He's very, very athletic. I genuinely think he's one of the better offensive line prospects in this draft he does fall a little bit here to tampa bay i think he can play either of the guard positions on either side you might even want to try him out at tackle but i think he's probably the best fit on the interior here can play any offensive scheme kenyon green an excellent fit for the tampa bay bucks at number 27 Saw a favorable comparison for Kenyon Green with Elton Jenkins for the Green Bay Packers. Obviously a player I know very well from a couple of years ago in the draft. So man, if he can turn into Elton Jenkins, that's a huge win for Tampa. The Green Bay Packers are up again here at pick number 28. If you'll remember, we had them grab Chris Olave at 22 from Ohio State. So now that we've had them address wide receiver, we will have them address wide receiver. So I, I don't like doing this. Uh, just as a matter of principle, I guess. I, I don't genuinely like or generally like grabbing the same position group multiple times in the same round. I really don't. And if the need wasn't as pressing as it is for the Green Bay Packers at wide receiver, I wouldn't consider doing it. There are other ways that you can go with this. I, I fully understand that. But there is one wide receiver still on this board who I consider to be a consensus first round prospect. He's the last consensus first round prospect off the board and he just so happens to be a wide receiver. So Green Bay here at 28, I cannot resist grabbing Traylon Burks wide receiver from Arkansas. You know how we talked about Chris Olave being like this precision, immaculate route runner, a guy that can stretch the field when need be. This, uh, when you talk about Traylon Burks, he is like your prototypical possession receiver. You know who he kind of reminds me of? TJ Hushmanzadi. And that's a really weird comparable, but that's the kind of player that I think he can be. He's a bit bigger, 6'2", 225, physical receiver, four-star recruit coming out of high school. He's a guy that you want to get the ball in his hands and get him, get them in his hands in kind of those medium routes, whether he's playing inside or outside. I think he'd probably thrive a little more as a slot guy, but I think he, he certainly played the X a bunch in college. So I think you can move him around basically anywhere, but he's a guy to get the ball in his hands, fight for the extra yardage, short yardage, move the chains. That's the kind of receiver I think Traylon Burks is going to be. Now, I did see someone call him, uh, what do they call him? Um, Enkeel Harry 2.0, which does kind of scare me. But then again, I, I don't think New England made the most out of that prospect at that time. I think Green Bay can make the most out of a guy like Traylon Burks. That's why I'm going to grab him at 28. The value is just irresistible to me. So we come now to our last four picks of this first round mock. Two of them belong to the Kansas City Chiefs here, back to back at 29 and 30. And then we go to the Bengals and Detroit will close us off. So Kansas City up at 29 and 30. 
The Chiefs just got rid of one of the most dynamic wide receivers in football in Tyreek Hill, sending him off to Miami, which is where they got this pick. So wide receiver, definite area of need. They need a pure right tackle. I don't think they get him in this spot. They need corner help. They need help on the edge of their defensive line. They need help in the secondary. They need help in the middle at linebacker. So all three levels of their defense, they definitely need help, but they made this wide receiver need pressing by getting rid of Tyreek Hill. So in these back-to-back -back picks, we are going to address wide receiver. We're also going to address corner. So I'm going to have them grab Jahan Dotson, wide receiver from Penn State at number 29, and then grab Roger McCreary, cornerback from Auburn at pick number 30. Uh, Dotson first, three-star recruit coming out of high school, uh, 5'11", about 175 pounds, so a bit of an undersized receiver, was a redshirt senior at Penn State this past season. He's a speedy wide receiver. Wouldn't you know it for the Kansas City Chiefs. Speedy, very agile, a pretty good route runner in his own right, but he is, it is pace, it is speed, it is leverage, it is those things that get him the opportunities that he gets in the offense. I think he's flexible. You can put him on the perimeter, you can put him on the boundary, you can put him on the inside. A vertical pass attack, I think, is exactly where he fits. That is what the Kansas City Chiefs offer with Patrick Mahomes back there. I think he's an excellent fit in this spot. So we're going to grab Jahan Dotson at number 29 for the Chiefs. And then, like I said, number 30, we're going to go Roger McCreary in the secondary. Now, Roger McCreary, like Dotson, not somebody I would consider to be a slam dunk to go in the first round, but I think McCreary's the best corner left in this class. I think he can fit any defensive scheme. I think they can move him around on the inside or the outside. I think he's a three down corner. I think he's really the improvement that he's shown from last year to this year, I think only will continue at the pro level. I think he's the most dynamic playmaker in the secondary for the Kansas City Chiefs and I think this is where that pick is best spent at number 30. Roger McCreary from Auburn at corner goes to Kansas City at 30. So they add two great pieces there back to back in Dotson and McCreary. Bengals are up next here at number 31, obviously coming off of that really surprise run all the way to the Super Bowl where they did, of course, lose to the Rams. They've got a need at corner. They could use some help at edge, and they definitely, of course, need help on the offensive line. I think their need is more pressing on the inside on the offensive line, and actually, we've got a player here that has slipped down the board, a guy that should be taken in the first round, who I think is going to fall right into Cincinnati's lap at number 31 if they so choose to go this direction. That is Zion Johnson, an interior O-lineman from Boston College, was a redshirt senior this past year, 6'3", 310, kind of around that area. And I had a, a Bengals fan who I really, really respect his opinion about this team saying like, look, we need a left guard. We badly need a left guard. And that, I think, is what Zion Johnson projects to at the pro level. A big starting guard on either side. I know he did play a bunch at Boston College at tackle, but this is a starting guard all day long in a zone run offense. I think that's exactly what the Cincinnati Bengals need in this spot. And for a guy that I think projects like a, a bunch of very talented starting guards at the NFL level. I think this is the spot for him. So we're going to have the Cincinnati Bengals grab Zion Johnson from Boston College at number 31. 
We come now to the end of our fellowship, the last pick of this mock draft in the first round, going to the Detroit Lions by virtue of the Matthew Stafford trade. Rams pick going to the Lions off the heels of the Rams, of course, winning the Super Bowl. If you remember from, I don't know, I guess about an hour ago at this point, we had Kayvon Thibodeau going to the Detroit Lions at number two overall. Rather than spending that pick on one of those quarterbacks, I don't think any quarterback in this class deserves to go with any of those top picks. However, the spot we're at now, some of these quarterbacks that people have been talking about as potential first round picks, we've had them falling down our board. Only Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis have been taken from the quarterback position so far in this mock. That leaves the options wide open for Detroit. If they do want to go quarterback, I don't necessarily think there is a corner or an edge rusher who sits there right now that they could take in this spot that's going to serve them better than grabbing Desmond Ritter, quarterback from Cincinnati, as their projected anyway, quarterback of the future. Only a three-star prospect coming out of high school, but he's 6'3", around 210. He is a very accomplished quarterback at the uh, at the college football level. He's been a starter for four years. The dude is battle-tested. He can run this offense. He's got talent with the arm. He can run the football if he wants to, if they want to start kind of adapting that a little bit into the offense. But it's not a central part of his game like with a guy like Malik Willis. I don't necessarily think Ritter steps in as the starting quarterback right away, but he has an option to learn under a guy like Jared Goff for at least another year. I think Detroit's offensive line is pretty decent. I don't necessarily think that they need that much help in that to, you know, give him opportunities to better protect him. I think this is a pretty decent situation for a Desmond Ritter. I could see him going earlier in the draft, especially if Pittsburgh really does want to jump on a quarterback. Again, I don't think that's the right decision for them. But with the Lions, where I think their offensive infrastructure is a little bit better in place than Pittsburgh's is I think this is a good spot for Desmond Ritter to land so we're gonna have Detroit with the last pick of the first round take quarterback Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati there you have it folks mock draft 1.0 is in the books there will be plenty of editing required on this one but that's okay because we're in it for the love of the game mock draft 1.0 is done the next time you see me will be mock draft 2.0 where we will in fact incorporate some draft pick trades i'll send a little less time talking about the prospects themselves obviously that's what mock draft 1.0 is for and it's obviously imperative for anybody listening to this to do their own research on players this is just based on what i've looked at what i've read the conversations that i've had about these players these are my impressions however it's important for you to do your own research and have your own opinions on these prospects. So we'll talk a little less about the prospects next time. Obviously continue to talk about the fits. I'll take into consideration your feedback coming off of Mock Draft 1.0. What did you think about this Mock Draft? Let me know in the comments section below. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, which my tea is cold at this point because we've been recording for a while and actually i'm still i think in the process of fully recovering from having a bout of covid so my voice may not be as strong as it normally is i appreciate you bearing with me while we get through this mock draft we'll see you again for mock draft 2.0 where we got some real interesting trades on deck come back for that one we'll see you next time